No. It's enough. Even torturing you is boring. This is the small council. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So, it's been a while. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I hope uh, you guys are excited. We're going to be talking about the Super Regional. Uh, I am still waiting for uh, our guest. Uh, he had a couple little hiccups, um, but he should be on shortly. Uh, for those that don't know, our guest is first place winner, Fang Vu. Uh, and I do apologize if uh, if I mispronounce that. Um he uh, took first place, uh, five-round event. But uh, I'll, like always, I'm going to do my shout-outs at the beginning uh, just uh, while we kind of wait. And then if uh, he needs a little extra time, I'm going to kind of just talk about the event itself, how it, uh, you know how everything went and all that good stuff. Uh, as always, shout-out uh, to all the uh, local shops out there. Uh, whenever you can, try to buy your stuff local. I know online, especially these times, you know, things are getting a lot more expensive. You know, sometimes you, you kind of have to go the cheaper route, but when possible, try to buy from your local. Um, you know, having a place open and in person to play is always, you know, helps the game grow, whether or not it may seem like that. When you're kind of playing at your own house, you tend not to really, uh, you know, make the game any bigger. You, can't really get new people in uh, as easy, so definitely support your locals, especially if they got game space uh, for you to play and host events. Uh, shout outs to all the TOs out there, whether it be a small local event or a big, uh, larger event. Uh, it's TOs and just people running events that also are helping the game thrive. Uh, you know, without them, you know, we wouldn't have events more than likely. You know, as much as we would love to think that if all the judges stepped down, someone would take all their places, but that just isn't always the case. Uh, so I'm always grateful to those that are willing to kind of take charge and get the events running and work with the shops, uh, or even if it is the shops themselves that are running it. Um, and then lastly, I want to do a shout-out to all the other content creators out there. Uh, I know... Us uh, as small council have been a little hit or miss here or there. Um, definitely not producing as much as I would hope to. Uh, I know I kind of give this excuse a lot lately, but uh, just had a, a baby not too long ago, and it's our fifth. We're currently renovating uh, a lot of parts of our house. Uh, and not only that, just work has been very busy uh, with my promotion. So uh, I hope you guys can understand that and uh, know that it's not for a lack of desire of the game. I'm still playing whenever I possibly can, painting whenever I can. I collect every army and still very enthusiastic about the game. Um, so it's definitely not for a lack of, uh, you know, of liking the game at the moment. It's just simply a lack of time to uh, kind of do the show as frequently as I would like. But 
Um, I would love to at least get back to once a week, at least for myself. Um, it would be awesome if I could do once a week myself with someone else and then someone else, uh, a part of uh, the small council team, maybe doing like a second episode here or there. Um, so, uh, yeah, with that said, uh, I do have our guest on. Uh, let's see if we can get the audio going. Bang, uh, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Awesome. You Thank me? you so much for coming on. Yep, we can hear you loud and clear. <clears throat> yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, we're going to have uh, – we have on uh, first place and second place myself. Uh, uh, me and Fang met at the top table and uh, duped it out, um, and it, it was definitely a nail-biter. But we'll get that – we'll probably get to that at the end. We'll save it for last, and um, we'll kind of – We'll probably talk about the event for, event first, and then um, then we can go through each of our rounds one through four, and then kind of both uh, both talk about the the fifth round uh, against each other, um, and then we can kind of go over our lists and you know how they worked out. Uh, but to kind of start it off, um, how did how did you like the event? Um, what were your kind of things you liked about it, and things that you kind of maybe if you have any constructive criticism. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll start with the bad stuff first and end on the good notes. Um, I think, <clears throat> really, I think the only thing was just, uh, and it sounds like, Brett, you're on the call as well, right? No, Brett was un, unable to make for this one. Oh, okay. So, um, uh, I guess the, the only thing was uh, maybe just a little bit more communication on that, that sixth round, and I understand this... Um, we we had I think 36 players or something, and I already kind of knew because of my experience with how tournaments are ran that we probably wouldn't have a six round. Um, so I I wasn't really concerned um, with the six round or not, but I know uh, there were some players who were a little upset that uh, we didn't go the six round because that could have changed a little. Uh, that could have changed the pairings a little bit, but. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I think just a little bit better communication that, um, and just kind of letting the players know, uh, for awareness that, hey, you should play to win your games because there may not be a six round to, to catch up to, um, possibly eat into the top eight for that national invite. Um, and, you know, the good stuff is, uh, there were a lot of tough opponents there. Um, there was Mark Rupp, who, you know, had won Adepticon um, first place uh, a couple years ago. Um, he's a super strong player. Um, and there was Roger Cato, who well, uh, took second at um, Worlds or Nationals uh, last year. So, yeah, at Gen Con. And there were a lot of other players who were really strong, including you, Dave. Um, I played against you before, so I knew how strong of an opponent you were. And then, um, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was just it was a good event overall because uh, also including prize support, which was amazing. It was phenomenal by by Simon. Um, you know, <clears throat> getting to choose your two starter well, not two starters, but two unit boxes before you even play the tournament was was an awesome thing for them to do um and the game mat was is awesome 
Uh, it's really good quality. Um, so we're really looking forward to other promo stuff that Simon's going to be doing for the tournaments. Yeah, I agree. And to kind of um, go off of that, I'm going to kind of com- combine it into two points. Kind of you were talking about the, you know, the attendance and the lack of the sixth round and kind of the controversy with that. And then you're also talking about the, the great um, entry, uh, like prize support, I'll call it. Um, that was kind of twofold. So a lot of people um, probably don't know this, but this is what I was, what I overheard, what I um, was told by certain others, and what seemed to be the case, at least in a couple instances, uh, me seeing it happen, uh, kind of the downside um, to having such amazing prize support or entry support, we'll say, um, you know, like like you were saying, Fang, it, it was two unit boxes of your choice between a huge stack. I mean, not every option was in there, but I mean, uh, there's a lot of options of all the factions, and you can pick any two boxes. You got a 4x4 four four playmat, like a neoprene playmat, which was good quality. Maybe not the absolute best quality out there, but I was impressed with it, um, and I was definitely glad to have it. And then they had awesome custom tact- uh, neoprene tactics boards, uh, even with a uh, a slot to put one of the extra zones. I'm sure that the image is floating around somewhere on one of the Facebook pages. All of that for, what was it, a $30 entry fee? So yeah. what I'm getting at is that a lot of people, uh, it sounds like a lot of locals, signed up, got all the swag, and had no intentions to play. So that ate up mm-hmm. not only the limited number of spots, because I think it was limited to like 48 or something, I could be wrong. I just know that uh, Justin uh, Lewis, the uh, part of small council, he literally bought the last ticket the night before because he had realized he never signed up for it. Um, and so that was kind of a problem there is they fully expected, especially because of the number of signups, that whoever wrote up the document for six rounds just went ahead and said six rounds. Uh, Brett, having been the TO, was not a part in that decision of writing that document. And Brett, being the TO, had the final decision, uh, essentially, for any and all um, uh, decision-making. And so Brett was kind of put in between a rock and a hard place. Uh, you know, and this isn't like it's unprecedented, uh, you know, LVO and another uh, over overseas yep. uh, tournament also had a sixth round get dropped out of it. Uh, and it's it's one of those situations that you kind of you, you have to make a tough decision, and there is no necessarily right or wrong answer. Everyone kind of has a strong opinion on one way or the other. Uh, I think um, a lot of people were saying that you know you took away uh, by taking away the sixth round, you took away people's opportunity to change the results, and you know you know potentially get first or second or get into top eight. Uh, One important thing to note is, from what I could tell, we didn't take, like, person-by-person vote, but it was pretty split. You know, it was there was probably uh, just as many or barely more people saying to just end it at round five 
but that's not to say that it was a majority. Uh, with that said, uh, a lot of people who had the ability to further their uh, spot chose to end it. For example, uh, uh, I could have still taken back first place assuming I won and Fang lost. I was, even with my loss to Fang, I was actually still second place. And that, that goes into another problem that was kind of happening was because we had already had a definitive winner of un, uh, one last undefeated person, the pairings kept wanting to pair a bunch of people together that had already played. Well, by the normal way of pairing, even after me losing to Fang in the last round, it wanted to pair me against him again round six. Granted, that didn't happen. Like, it didn't, they didn't, like, they caught it. You know, they, they fixed it. But what I'm trying to get at is that it made the pairing so wonky that it was adding extra time. Not, on, not only to that, but uh, we started, like, an hour late. Uh, people had flights. There are so many other factors, and I'm not saying, again, there's no necessarily right or wrong answer. Um, I think in the future, the best way to go about it is it should always be worded that rounds will be uh, based on attendance, like they're in the now attendance. Um, so if even if you sell out, it does not matter. It, may, it matters that the physical amount of the pre people that are actually present, and that is how many rounds. And then even then, even let's say, let's say for example, we the number of people we had a, would would be five rounds. But let's say um, for whatever reason, we could only get four rounds through because the venue is closing or um, whatever the case may be. Some unforeseeable thing happens, then also in the wording should always be that the number of rounds can always change. Now, I think where it comes down to is you just kind of have to trust your TOs. Um, you, know, you have to trust that they're, you know, making the best decision in the moment. And uh, a lot of the people that did have a lot on the line um, were fine with ending it on round five. I know... Uh, you were supposed to play uh, Matt. Um, I apologize, Matt, if you're listening. Uh, I know uh, last name Beatty, or maybe that's just the nickname Brett calls you by. But Matt was supposed to play uh, Yu Fang in the last round, and you both are very strong players. I actually played Matt earlier in the day, and it could have went, in my opinion, either way. Uh, and I think if Matt would have won there, there's a good chance he would have taken first. And even Matt wanted to just end it at round five. So this isn't like some clear cut, everyone wanted it one way or the other way. There's a lot of people that definitely had chances to either gain or lose their positioning based on the last round, as is with every round. You know, a lot can happen based on who wins and who loses every round. So just wanted to throw yeah, that I, out there because I know there's I a lot of controversy. It was a really tough decision Brett had to make, and I'd stand by his decision and his choice as a teal, So, Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely stand by Brett. I think um, he, whether or not it's the right decision, that it, that's really not the question. The question is um, that, or the, really just the statement is that he had to make 
a nearly impossible decision that was going to be unpopular no matter what he did. Uh, and as, that's unfortunately just one of the things that comes with being a TO is sometimes you have to make those tough decisions that sometimes only affect a single player or sometimes affect all of the players. I mean, because even, like, uh, giving a game loss because of some thing, I know that it doesn't happen as often in tabletop games, but, you know, I've judged so many card games that, or so many tournaments for a card game, I shouldn't, I guess I word it a little funny, but that, you know, sometimes you have to DQ someone or game loss someone, and it's a crappy feeling, uh, even if it's completely justified. Uh, it's the lose-lose either way. But um, uh, one thing I did want to point out that I don't think was very well um, uh, ex- expressed or, uh, like, told, but a lot of people are, like, really hanging up, being hung up about this whole being, uh, like, qualified for some uh, for the... Um, what are they calling it? Saying what? What's the thing that you qualify for? I forget the title of the tournament. The uh, just like Simon Expo Nationals. Okay. Um, yeah. The qualified spots only guarantee that you get in. It. I've seen a bunch of comments on online of people thinking that you only get to go if you're qualified. That is not true, from what I heard from high ups. Uh, you know, not that they told me directly, but just hearing it in passing, is that you tickets will still go on sale. It's just that if all the tickets sell out, those that earned a spot don't have to worry about buying a ticket. They're they're automatically in it. So, Correct. yes, I yep. mean, it's still something. It's still something that we got spots and could have potentially not got spots if we lost the last round. But um, it's not like this uber, like, ultra, you know, it's it's not similar-ish to the um, Nationals at Gen Con last year. Granted, you know, the last chance qualifier just qualified anyone, everyone anyways. But, um, but my point being is that uh, everyone who barely missed out on a spot still, in my opinion, easily has a chance to get in. Because I guarantee if you want to go to Nationals that bad, as long as you buy your ticket day one, you should have, probably have no problem. Like, I think Nationals will be very popular, and I think the tickets will sell out, but I don't think they're going to be so insanely popular that they sell out, like, instantly, like some convention tickets do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not going to be like Adepticon where you're waiting in line and then having to refresh every five seconds. You know, if you want to go to Nationals that bad and you're sitting there waiting for the moment they put the tickets up, you're going. Like, it's without a – for those that barely missed it, um, I am, I'm very confident that they're going to be able to get a ticket no problem. So yeah. uh, I just wanted to clear yeah. that part up, too. Um, otherwise, uh, I love the event. Um, I had a ton of fun. Uh, because th- there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that happened at the Gen Con, one that I won't go into that kind of made my experience a little sour, uh, you know, but that's in the past, uh, and I'd rather not, like, you know, bring it up and then, you know, make it a big old drama thing, but 
only reason I mention it is to contrast with this event. I had a blast. Every opponent, uh, every round, both days, uh, even the day before getting to kind of hang out, uh, it was awesome. Um, with that said, uh, I'll kind of jump into my list first just because I got second place, you got first place. Your stuff's going to be more interesting, so we'll kind of save the, the best for last, so to speak. Um, and uh, But my, I ran Martels. Uh, my lists were, uh, my first list, which I only used once, was Doran uh, in Spearman, a second Spearman with no attachment, two Dervishes, no attachment, Outrider, uh, with no attachment. Uh, Doran, NCU, um, Oberyn, NCU, and Ilara, NCU. Uh, this list, I again, I only used it once, and I, only used, I think I used it second round against uh, a Stark player. Um, I apologize to uh, most of my opponents, or no, not most of them. Uh, my first two opponents, I don't remember your names. I'm just so bad with names. Um, my other list, though, I ran the other four rounds, and it worked. Granted, you know, my one loss uh, was while using the list. I don't regret getting that list in the slightest. And that was um, Oberyn and Bastard Scrolls, uh, two dervishes with no attachment, uh, a men with no attachment, and uh, a Spearman with no attachment. And then I only ran two NCUs. Uh, it was Ilara and Littlefinger. So round one, I get a Martell Mirror. Uh, and I apologize, uh, most of my matches are going to sound kind of redundant. And that's because Oberyn in Bastard Girls was easily my MVP. All, spot, or all four games I played him. Uh, especially with a lot of the new kind of, uh, you know, the four combat unit, three NCU meta. Uh, I don't know if you'd call it a meta, but I saw a lot of it at this tournament. And uh, when you only have four combat units and you have Oberyn and Bastard Scrolls, I mean, it makes it, you know, if if you kind of get used to playing Bastard Scrolls and you get really good at them, if you can sh shoot up in there and nearly one-shot something that then can't heal because of Manticore Venom, it almost instantly becomes a five against three, even if they are beating me on the bo uh, tactics board with three NCUs to my two. More often than not, I don't really care. Uh, yeah, and, but, and that was something that you actually pulled off um, in our match, and just a little spoiler yep. um, that we can say for when we talk about our match. But, yeah, you pulled that off very well, and um, it really surprised me. So, yeah, that was a really good combo. Yeah, and, I mean, it all started kind of with, uh, you know, tactical approach uh, um, Stannis in Best Scrolls way back when. You know, I posted all over the place, you know, how silly it was that you could easily one-shot something since tack approach used to work on ranged attacks too. And even ever since then, you know, Bat Best Scrolls are just such a strong unit. Um, even before they got their buff, and I know a lot of people out there be like, well, they need another buff. They they don't. They're, they are not easy to use. Um, I mean, granted, they're a lot more survivable than most people would give them credit for, but they once you kind of know what they're doing or what you want to do with them, I mean, they're just so dangerous. Anyway, so kind of like uh, what you were saying, Fang, I 
I did that in all four games. What I did to your unit, I did to every other person, which is uh, between tactical reposition, cunning ploy, taking the maneuver zone, and then having the ability to shoot charge with turning, uh, making you vulnerable and then turning off healing. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, just throw something at Oberyn to, you know, basically delay his Manticore Venom now that Manticore Venom has been FAQ'd that you don't have to use it right away. Like, you can save it for when you want to. But him and Bastard Girls in Martell's uh, faction with what tools they have, you just, you really can't keep away from his target successfully without just completely taking that unit out of the game. Um, and even then, uh, more often than that, I have two, like, I have two units I'm shooting for. Um, it's just whichever one presents itself to me sooner, because the whole kind of point of my list is to alpha strike you. It's to really put you on your back, you know, heals uh, right away, so that you're almost feeling like you're playing catch-up. And that was almost every single game I'd get an early lead, and, you know, it uh, it would be hard for my opponent to kind of come back from it. So first game was against Martels. Um, they had, uh, um, who was it? Uh, I want to say, oh, they had Obara in Royal Guard. Uh, used the auto six charge on, uh, was it one of my dervishes? They get their free retreat, leaves them open. I then shoot charge into him, Manticore Venom. The problem with that is because he kind of overextended the unit because uh, now he's almost trying to alpha strike me. Uh, well, now his fuel by slaughter isn't healing. So that that's a big deal. And now because he can't heal, that shield wall is permanently be, being degraded every time I finally take a rank off. Uh, and with my ability to shoot and charge and I have other units because he, he overextended the unit. The unit, I think, died in, uh, like, two turns. So it was, like, end of round three, the unit was dead. Um, and I kind of just mucked everything else up. Let me actually, uh, I'm going to pull up a text real quick because I was kind of updating uh, Spencer from Small Council Radio with uh, with all of my, like, what game modes and stuff. Okay, so we played Game of Thrones. Um I was able to, I kind of divided and conquered every round, even in Game of Thrones. I kind of ignored the objective on my left, and my opponent only had four combat units, three NCUs, and so he kind of had to do the same. That, and he, uh, I believe, lost the die roll and had to deploy first, which allowed me to make sure that he wasn't going to try to take... Uh, all you know, both objectives on his uh, left and right. Um, but that one ended with uh, me nine to three, so I ended up taking a crushing for that one. Uh, my next game was against uh, Stark Player, which I took Harmon. Um, it was Clash of Kings. Uh, I was kind of indifferent about running Harmon um, because. Um, you know, Clash of Kings, I wasn't going to get a whole lot of usage out of Harmon in Spears and or getting the extra victory points. He had uh, 
he actually had Batgirls with a warden in him, and that definitely gave me a lot of fits. Um, it was really hard to kind of get into his face without triggering the the free the shot the free shot Overwatch. and then into a free charge. Yeah, with Overwatch. Um, so what I did was is I almost all three objectives. Um, because he was kind of worried about um, uh, about my units because I I used the maneuver zone and the two tack repositions with the two spearmen. I got way up field really quick round one, and then I used the outriders and I just threw them at his units because uh, he had four units as well. But he did have a wolf um, and then three NCU's. But he didn't have an answer to Dorn, which is a big reason why I lent towards. Uh, taking uh, Harmon over um, Oberyn. Uh, granted, uh, I think by the end of it, uh, Doran only got me two victory points. Uh, I f the Outriders finally died, but it, it took so long for them to die with how much healing Harmon can do that, uh, that he kind of was pushed away from the objectives too long. Uh, and I was able to trigger an early 10 victory points to 5, getting another crushing. Uh, now, round 3, that this one was a little controversial, a little rough, um, just because I guess I didn't hear uh, this uh, be explained at the beginning of the tournament. But uh, round 3, I played uh, Matt uh, Beattie with his... Uh, uh, he had a very unique Courtney uh, list with Baratheons. Uh, and we're playing honed and ready. Uh, I chose Oberyn um, because you know it's Baratheons. They they got too much healing, too much good armor. That the last thing I knew is need is to be bogged down. Um, that and he had a, uh, I believe he had a Melisandre list that I was worried that if I ran Harmon, uh, not only would he be Mel bombing me, but he had champions to stag, and I just. I don't know if my Harmon list could handle that. That and he had, his courting list had answers to Doran. So it's like the lose-lose almost if I run Harmon. So I ran Oberyn. And first thing I did was uh, charged in and nearly one-shot one his uh, champions of the stag with uh, Oberyn and Bastard Scrolls. And, of course, Manticore Venom can't heal. Uh, but... I underestimated Courtney. He had him in uh, uh, Stag Knights, and he took the crown to get the uh, free, uh, I think it was, is it a free maneuver or march. free march? Yeah, and maneuvered in such a way to, because um, after I had attacked with the Bastard Scrolls, I then threw my Flademan in there, and he went down to one wound on the stupid uh, champions. Well, he then uh, took the crown, maneuvered, Courtney to the flank of my blade bend and charged him in the flank and almost killed him. And then top of the next round, uh, he finished off my blade men right before I finished off his uh, um, champions of the stag. So it was almost uh, they died shortly after. So it almost instead of me just one shotting and it being done there, um, it almost ended up being a trade uh, eight point for eight point unit. Now. Honed and ready was uh, hurting me quite a bit. Um, I, me only having two NCUs, he had three again. Uh, but I just somehow kept holding in there. Um, 
So by the end of round, I think it was four, uh, they had been calling no new rounds at like the 15 minute left mark. Uh, and I like, I asked before we started round five, I'm like, is, are we not supposed to do any new rounds? And at the, at that moment, if we ended round, it would have been my win of three to two. It would have been a narrow win. Um, well, some decision was made somewhere by someone. I'm not going to point fingers. I don't know all the details. Just the decision was made that because our game was so close, we had to play another round. They didn't even ask our opinion on it. So I made my, uh, you know, even though I was winning, or sorry, uh, because I was winning, obviously I'm a little biased, but, you know, your thing is consistency. If the prior two rounds were 15 minutes, no new rounds, but now I'm being told that we have to play even before we've been given our, uh, been asked our opinion on if we should play another round, made me a little, little mad. Uh, but, Granted, it all worked out for the better for me. Uh, somehow, between my dice rolls, and it just worked out amazingly, uh, I ended up winning that one 7-2, to two, uh, getting an extra four victory points in round five. Uh, oh, wow, nice. To, and, and, or maybe it was, I think he got one point, so I think it was 2-1. to one. I don't know, I don't know all the very minute details, but ended up pulling out like uh, crushing instead of um, uh, narrow, which yes, in hindsight, great, but it still irks me a little bit because anyone that knows me and my OCD, I just, I love things to be consistent, even no matter how it may, the chips may fall after that. But uh, he was so close to actually tabling me, granted he didn't have a whole lot left either, but I had four of my uh, five units Two of them only had two models each, and the other two only had one model each. So I literally had six models between four four units left, um, and it's yeah, it was kind of a you know a bittersweet uh, crushing victory because again, um, had I had my way, it would have ended round four, and I would have had a narrow, um, and uh, then obviously Matt, even though he would have had still had a loss, would have had more um, special points or more uh, you know scenario points, whatever you want to call them, because he would have had a narrow loss rather than a crushing. But his his list is is awesome. Uh, he runs, uh, I want to say it's Littlefinger and uh, Alistair and. Um, uh, man, why am I blanking? Uh, I want to say, El oh yeah, Elden, just to get more Tactus cards, and he has two answers to Doran, and uh, and then he has Courtney and Stagnites, um, a champion with, I think he has a Glory Seeker in there. Uh, someone might be able to add up the points uh, or not for me. He had a Warden, um, and then a, am I blanking? Uh, now uh, something else. I, it, it's a really awesome list, and it's kind of one of those lists that you look at it and go, man, that'd be kind of interesting to play for fun. But no, it was, it's really strong, uh, especially when uh, you pilot as good as he did. Um, all right, and then round four, I played against uh, 
um, Tang, and is that your cousin or your brother? I always forget. Uh, he's my cousin. Okay, so this one I was a little nervous about because uh, at Adepticon, I went 4-1 and one as well, taking 6th place. My tiebreakers were bad because of Tang. Uh, I had, like, three crushing wins and one standard win, but then against Tang, he crushing defeated me, so I had a crushing loss as my uh, tiebreaker, or as, you know, to, that hurt my tiebreakers. And so he was running very similar lists to last time, completely the same but similar, and I was running the same, almost the same list as well as Adepticon, just a couple small tweaks. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, granted, uh, my my roles were so bad last time we played. It's so bad, in fact, that he didn't have to use a, like a single uh, panic or vulnerable against me because I was just naturally failing all of it. And he's just like, oh, you hit me? All right, if you fail your panic, all right, I heal. Because <laughs> of Sparrow and... Uh, fealty and all that stuff. Uh, so I was I was really worried. Um, for this one, we played Fire and Blood, and uh, personally, I think that's a big reason why uh, I was able to win. Um, I knew that I could buy, uh, take my time. He was running um, Kevin in uh, Red Cloaks, another Red Cloak with a um, Warrior Sun, uh, the a Flademan and a Brigand, and then he had three NCUs, which was uh, um, High Sparrow, High Sparrow, Cersei, uh, and Cersei, um, Joffrey. Yep, and uh, I knew that I wasn't in a hurry to get close to him. You know, he had, you know, he didn't really have any ranged, but he had ranged effects, you know, between the two red cloaks, and I didn't want to be bombarded with these panic tests and hurt me really bad before ever seeing combat. So, I deployed at 10 inches. Um, this is kind of something I do. Anytime I feel my opponent kind of has the advantage when it comes to either speed or range, and that's range in the form of ranged attacks in any way, effects or, like, bows. Uh, so, I deployed at 10 inches. Um, and I took my time. Uh, I Again, another strategy I do is I'll pretend to castle, uh, especially in a faction where I have the complete ability to move a ton of things uh, with different effects, whether it be tack or approach, uh, or, or, I mean, tactical reposition, cunning ploy, the maneuver zone, just things like that. I have a flayed men unit. So deployed in a, in a way that looked like I was just going to castle all game. Uh, cast, I did it for two rounds, and then I think it was like start of round three, he had kind of overextended his um, his red cloaks with warriors, or uh, with uh, Champion of the Faith, just a little bit, not too much. This was, this was like such a minute overextend that uh, it's like, at face value, he really didn't do anything wrong. Like, it was just just barely. Uh, but it was just enough because I knew I was going first next turn, and I waited to activate my Bastard's Girls last, knowing that he was going to have to stay out of that range of me shoot, shooting and charging him. 
but he wanted to get close enough not to be out of the fight. Well, what I did then is I activated the Bastard Scrolls and just marched, uh, I believe I tacked three positions three inches on his turn, and then I marched 12 to be in his flank facing him. That way, start of round or four, I think it was, um, I took, I wasn't too worried about him taking the attack, if I'm not mistaken, that I just, uh, I might have taken the heal uh, with uh, Littlefinger uh, and then popped a token of the attack, got charged, uh, or, uh, and I got like, you know, it may have been, it may have been Alara. I I can't remember, but all I know is that it, the attack was so successful that I one shot the unit. Um, and I was yeah. like, I was baffled. He was telling me about that. I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, no way. I was like, you know, it's a unit that isn't like super defensive by no means, but you know, you would think like, I mean, the stars like would have to align, and they did. And now his brigands, though. So if you're if you're me and you're staring at his units, it it goes from left to right. It goes brigands, kind of far off to the left, uh, kind of trying to find an opening to get um, around my line of defenses. Then you got the uh, red cloaks with uh, champion, and you have red cloaks with Kevin. Then you have the Flatemen. Uh He chose two corpse piles, which I understand why. But the funny thing was, because he placed the first piece, I got to see that he wanted corpse piles, which probably wouldn't have been a surprise, but you never know. Uh, and those are actually what I wanted. I was like, well, he's probably picking two corpse piles, so he's actually going to pick two pieces I want. So then I went for bogs. So now we have four pieces that are all stopping uh, rerolls and uh, other effects, while the fact that I have two units that actually want uh, between my Bastard Girls and my Flayed Men. Um, but anyway, so after I kill that unit, I back up six inches with the Bastard Girls, and now his brigands are kind of sitting off far away uh, that now kind of have to get more into the fight while, again, still not getting too close because the brigands you know, are a similar glass cannon to, as, like, the Bastard Scrolls are. Um, and, you know, from there, it just kind of went downhill because, you know, again, kind of what I mentioned at the beginning of this, once I kill one of your units and the game has barely started and I have five full units to your three, I mean, it's really hard to come back from that. It takes a lot. Uh, and that's... Um, I'll explain what it takes uh kind of in the in the fifth round um after um fang talks about his rounds one through four i'll kind of explain what um what i mean by that once we kind of go over what happened in our game but the so that last game ended 10 to 0 uh, for me and so now at this point i have four crushings uh so i'm 4-0 with four crushings feeling pretty good uh going to round five um and uh, I mean, this is no offense to uh, you, Fang. I felt really confident just going against Baratheons in general. Had nothing really to do against your lists or anyone's lists, like, or you as a player. It, like, all that aside, it was just the fact that it was Baratheons. I felt really confident um, going into it. But uh, but I'll 
save that until after you. We've gotten through your uh, your four opponents. <clears throat> yes. Uh, so just to talk about my my two lists that I brought, um, I brought a Stannis list, Low White for Air, and a Renly Charismatic um, list. I was actually was in between a Renly and a Loras list that um, <clears throat> I uh, ultimately decided on Renly, not not really because of uh, choice by choice. I I was missing a Loras cards, so. Um, Renly was basically the only option I had. Uh, and thankfully, um, that was the case because uh, Renly actually did really, really well for me in the tournament. And um, <clears throat> so anyways, uh, I built my two lists to uh, essentially battle certain factions. Uh, my Renly list was specifically for Night's Watch um, and, of course, for Baratheon mirror matches. And the entire role of that list was just to essentially outlast your opponent and just heal any damage they threw at you. Um, and so Renly was on a strong crow archers, um, <clears throat> he gives them Bolden and, uh, Boldness and Courage. So strong crow archers are throwing eight dices. And if you have the zones or kickers, you know, eight dices with, uh, the sword zone, you're rerolling eight dices and, Maybe you're throwing in a vulnerable or sundering, and it can really, really hurt. And the fact that your combo is emboldened with um, a champ with a glory seeker and a tree, your your champ is basically rolling panic tests at three um, all all game long and um, getting off that stubborn tenacity damage. And then they're flanked by uh, a warden, and now I can't even remember my my last unit um, a hedge knight and so the hedge knight yeah, there you go so it, it I, I felt like it was a really really strong list um, and uh, I had Courtney Marjorie and Tycho as my NCUs so as you can see it has pretty much just healing everywhere and uh, Ranley's cards also all heal and um, it came into play a lot of a lot of the times um, that I played it. Uh, and then my Stannis list, um, it was kind of similar to my list that I ran for Nationals um, in Gen Con last year, uh, except it didn't have Tycho, and it was using the two new MCUs coming from um, Carol's Box 3, Patchface and Crescent. Um, and I did a lot of playtesting between Crescent and Justin Macy uh, because obviously with Stannis, you want to get tactical approach out as fast as possible. And um, I just felt like uh, if you play Crescent correctly, you know, taking the crown zone constantly and changing that into his ability of replacing it with a letter zone, drawing two cards and one condition token, um, I was able to consistently get tactical approach out that way. So I and I felt between Justin Macy and Crescent, Crescent was the stronger of the two, especially because Crescent also allows you to sacrifice, sort of sacrifice him um, to go first for the round. And so he was huge. Um, <clears throat> uh, and so those those are my two lists. Uh, I and I know I know some people are are curious about why I put. Stannis in 
uh, Lightbringers. And it was really just because uh, I only had six points left after, you know, um, let's see. So the way that I built my list was that I had the core units that I, I really absolutely wanted in the list, which was a champion of the SAG with a Glory Seeker. Um, I think even though that's healthy nine points, um, and with the nerfs, I actually think this nine-point version of the champions of the SAGs are actually stronger than the previous champs, um, just because of Iron Resolve reducing that panic damage and the fact that you can deal one wound with stubborn tenacity. I actually think that evens out or even surpasses that one dice loss from the attack profile. And then, so with that nine, hefty nine-point taking up the board uh, or taking up the, most of the list. Um, there was, of course, Crescent, like I was saying, should get tactical approach out. And patch base, um, I think, is is an auto-include in this Spanish list just because of, there are so many nasty tactic cards out there. Um, and I know some people don't run patch base because um, they're, they're not sure what tactic cards to call out, but I think just calling out any... Obviously, you, you want to call the right cards, but even if you don't hit, it's so useful to know that your opponent doesn't have that card in their hands. So it allows you to be more confident in what you're trying to do, even if they do, you know, maybe take letters and draw into whatever card you called, but uh, still patch base and the knowledge that he gives you is just, is just huge. Um, so there was those two. And then, of course, um, Melisandre, I added her because um, there was just... <clears throat> The combination of Melisandre and that Glory Seeker and the Champs, allowing you to do an additional one damage, it could be the difference between, you know, wiping out a unit or that unit staying on the board for another round and just bogging you down. And Baratheons have a hard time um, really giving that final blow to a unit. Um, they can deal a good amount of damage, but they can't really finish off units that have some kind of sustain. So Melisandre really helped with that on top of, you know, maybe even getting a Melisandre bomb off. Um, so that, those are my two lists. Um, Stannis list was basically built to kind of face everyone else, while Renly was built specifically to fight Night's Watch and Baratheon mirror matches. And um, going into my... my uh, Rounds. My first round was against Nice Watch, and it was against Nathan Rowe. Um, he's a local. He played up at the Outpost 2000 here in Minnesota and Blaine. And um, <clears throat> he brought Nice Watch to Game of Thrones, and he actually almost beat me in the game uh, because he had control of the objectives. And uh, the only one mistake that he made was that I had charged one of his units with my Hedge Knights and was showing my rear to one of his Sorn brothers who was sitting on the objective. And that was super juicy. You can't, like, give that up. So he charged in. Uh, but, of course, I have Tycho and I have Courtney and I have all of Renly's healing cards. So I was able to essentially just... Um, his units basically bounced off my Hedge Knights and I finished them off and uh, was eventually able to um, <clears throat> essentially take over uh, board control with objectives and 
Uh, I can't recall the score, but it was super close. Um, I just eked out a narrow victory um, just because of that that uh, one mistake that, that Nathan did. Otherwise, I uh, would have lost that first round. And then uh, the second round, I played against a Bracken player named Adam Reeves, and um, he brought a Stannis list to fight my Renly list. And my Renly list essentially just outhealed anything he could throw at me. Um, he did say it was a really frustrating experience um, because uh, he essentially threw all his units at my champs. Um, he even threw his, he had a stag um, knight running into the side of my champs round four. So they basically had every kicker on their unit card and he almost blew them up. Um, I think they were um, down to like two wounds. Um, thankfully, Iron Resolve saved my butt there, and uh, I was able to heal them back up between Tycho and Courtney, and essentially just stall him throughout the entire match. Um, literally, I think <clears throat> by the end of the match, all my units were full health, and um, you know he was just—I I can't remember exactly how it went, but. Um, I think most of his units were dying or dead at that point. And then going into my third round, I went up against Mark Rupp, the free folk player. And um, this one, I was very nervous because Mark is a very, very strong player. And I think Brett and anybody who's played Mark can attest to that, that Mark is an incredibly intelligent player. And the other times that I faced Mark was when he was piloting his neutral units or his neutral army. So um, <clears throat> knowing that I'm going to have to face Mark with his uh, free folk uh, was pretty intimidating. Um, unfortunately, I, it, it, it went a lot uh, better than I, I was hoping because um, Mark ran his uh, Giants list and it had Baromir in there. And I ran my Stannis list, which had Melisandre. And I was able to pop his Baromir off in the first round and completely just wiped out his activation advantage. And by that point, um, with that, with Baromir off the board, Mark kind of just had to switch strategies from um, standing back and letting me come to him to him having to actually come to me. And so that played into my... Um, what I wanted because now, you know, he had to engage my champs and my champs was popping off stubborn tenacity doing one auto wounds to the giants. And so I was able to kill all of his giants with auto wounds. Um, I was able to get tactical approach out and kill them. Um, I was even able to charge Stannis in with his Lightbringers and tactical approach to, to finish off the unit. And then, um, my fourth round was against Roger Cato, uh, another free folk player, a very strong free folk player. As I was mentioning before, he took second place at Gen Con last year, and he was actually the same player who beat me in the semifinals to get into that uh, final match with Lucas. And um, I was, again, very, very nervous about this match because, again, Roger is a strong player and he beat me. Um, However, Roger was uh, piloting two different um, <clears throat> free folk lists. Um, I was I was 
afraid of his uh, Tormund list because that's the Tormund, that's the list that beat me in Gen Con. But he actually wasn't running Tormund um, in this tournament, and he was running uh, Steer and um, I can't remember the second um, list, but he ran Steer. And this was uh, Fire and Blood, and um, really just duking it out. And I took the lead early on uh, by killing a couple of his units. And Roger actually almost came back. He killed two of my wardens. One of them was marked. So uh, with Fire and Blood kind of being kind of swingy as the game continues on because you can mark targets with your uh, commander, he was actually able to catch up on points. And we tied the game at 7-7, but I had more points on the board. Spoiler alert, similar to what round five was. Um, so I was able to eke out a win barely with a tie and breaking and having the tiebreaker. And so that those were my first four games. Um, and then, yeah, going to our fifth game, um, of course, I played you, Dave. And I don't know if you want to kick it off or if you want me to kick it off. Um, I'll kind of just do the little introduction part of it, but I'll let you kind of talk about the the um, bulk of it. So um, there was already kind of mummers at this point that this would be the last round um, since we would have a definitive winner. Uh, I think it might even been before that that it was all kind of like we are. A lot of us kind of had a feeling that it was only going to be five rounds. A lot of people talked about it in between a lot of the rounds uh, the day prior. Uh, so, um, for this round, uh, this round we played, uh, um, what was the mission we played again? Uh, it was... Dance with Dragons. Dance with yep, Dragons. Yep, Dance with Dragons. And that was another reason I felt super confident. I feel like, um, this game mode, uh, kind of favored me a little bit. Um, at least that's how I felt about it. Uh, that was... That was a huge reason why I chose Oberyn. I knew that uh, you didn't have an answer to Dorne, correct? With uh, with my only answer list to Dorne, yeah, my my only answer to Dorne was my Melisandre list, just to try and table you as mm-hmm. fast as possible before you could collect those points. And that was what I, I knew. I going into it, I knew that you kind of had to run Mel which gave me a slight advantage. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people out there will to kind of go on a little tangent about Doran. A lot of people make this argument that, okay, well, Doran, you're never going to score points because the rounds will end too fast, and, or the, the round will end and you won't even get to round five, and there's too many counters, and he's just not worth it. I mean, even just seeing him on a list will often cause people to be forced to run a certain list if they don't have an answer to him in both lists. Uh, And that in itself, uh, I feel like in our game, I could be totally wrong at this point, but I I know I'm pretty sure in our game and what other game was it? Um, uh, My game against Matt. And I think it was just those two for sure. Uh, had to basically run a particular list because they couldn't risk Doran. Uh, not that that was the 100% factor, you know what I mean? It, but it's a heavy one. You know, you, 
the two victory points when you have two people that are very similar in skill. Two victory points could all it could mean the, the the difference of the game. But I knew that your Mel list would probably obliterate my Harmon list even with all my healing. I knew I didn't have a good answer to your Stagnites with my Harmon list, and if if I let it uh, with the tools you had between Creston and uh, Space and Mel, uh, you were going to basically delete with Mel and delete units with the champions. Uh, and it didn't matter if the Wardens never really did any damage. You know, you could soften up the units with the Lightbringers. Um, so I just knew I had, even though you didn't have an answer to Doran, I knew I had to run Oberyn. But the upside to running Oberyn was the fact that you're Baratheon. The no healing is a big deal. Uh, so that's yep. why I kind of I went with Oberyn. And, uh, but then when you revealed Mel, I, I was like, that's no surprise. That's the better, you know, you made the right choice. Um, but uh, from there, I'll kind of let you kick it off on kind of how the, the beginning of the game went. Yeah, you, you were correct in, in all that analysis. Um, <clears throat> I, yes, uh, the the Oberyn Bastard Girl was a huge problem. Um, I was incredibly worried about that because it didn't matter if Oberyn did his thing and failed and did only two wounds. It, taking out my ability to heal whatever unit it touched with that Manicore Venom is huge because um, obviously Baratheons, they have a bunch of elite units that you really kind of don't want dying and you want them kind of holding things for as long as possible. And Oberyn definitely takes care of that. And so uh, kudos to you for running a really, really good first round in our match. Um, I obviously knew what was coming, that you were going to just charge up um, Oberyn with, um, you know, the ability to take the horse and tactical repositioning and, and um, with a cunning ploy to be able to move him up and just take your pick at whatever unit you wanted to charge. And I, um, <coughs> excuse me, I... I was able to to um, see that, but it didn't matter because I wasn't able to stop it. Um, so, like, I had I had gone chosen to be first player, so that means with equal activations, you were going to be going last uh, for that round. I mean, you got to do whatever you wanted to do, and um, it was really bad for me because you were able to do all the things I said about taking horses and tactical reposition and you got over and right up to my um, Lightbringers and uh, thankfully I think the only thing that really saved Stannis from blowing up was the fact that I had true harsh condition um, for that round and I was able to get a condition token um, on your your uh, Girl. And now, now that I'm talking about it a little bit out loud, I'm, I'm remembering why I uh, moved my Stannis up. I was actually trying to bait you to to come up and then um, harsh condition away your uh, charge volley 
ability on your bachelor growth. But I wasn't expecting you to to be so close to where you could um, actually have an auto in charge. Um, because I was thinking on maybe you might fail that charge or something and you'd be in a really bad position. But, no, you were able to, to get up, and then um, I had to expend that token to play harsh condition and turn off your charging volley. And you were able to um, shoot me, um, take some wounds off of stand, you're miss- and then You're missing yeah. the best part, though. Do you remember how you got that condition token on me? Because you put one on me with uh, Crescent, and I healed it. You put one on me with the the letter, I healed I, it with the bag. I just put one on me with Crescent, and I healed it with Alara. And then do you remember how you finally got the last one on me? Uh, was it, um, if I remember correctly, was it uh, They Will Make Me King or... or uh, Oh, no, you stags witted my own vulnerable from my shot. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you sure? <laughs> because yeah. because if you did that, then I wouldn't have been able to uh, harsh condition it. Uh, I don't think so, because uh, it's. I guess I guess uh, in hindsight, I think both happen at the same time. So it was maybe both of our faults for not catching that I could choose which happened first. But it wasn't that we. It wasn't necessarily because yours. Uh, my vulnerable happens after the completion of the attack, and so does the declaration of me charging you. Well, sense. harsh condition is a is a start of any turn, and I I do recall we were, um, <clears throat> you know, throwing condition tokens and taking it off and things like that, and and yeah, you you did. So I took letters, I remember, <clears throat> and um, I think I threw a panic on you, and then I can't recall exactly how it went down, but. <clears throat> I do remember that. Either way, I don't. I don't think it mattered too much for anyone listening. Let's just assume we did it wrong. Uh, I had start of round two, and I just took yep. the attack anyways and shot charged. Um, I mean, I guess the difference would have been that I could. I would have shot charged you end of round one, and then top of round two, take an actual an extra melee instead of two shots, but. I don't know. I don't think it would have mattered too, too much. But, I mean, at this point, it's all kind of like, you know, it would be hard to, like, uh, go back and imagine what would have happened. But uh, right. either way, I think it, it, it wouldn't have changed much of anything. But, yeah, sorry to interrupt you there. No, it's fine. Um, so, uh, yeah, going to round two... Um, I was really worried. Uh, I was hoping that I'd draw my second harsh condition so I'd stop you from from uh, doing that, but I didn't. And uh, you took, I think, my stannis down to one wound, and I had to charge you either um, do something with stannis or charge you with my wardens to keep your, your bastard girls in place. Um, and I chose... To do the latter, I charged with my warning to keep the bastard girls in place, and um, unfortunately, that cost Sanus his life because um, I think he had ruinous vengeance on him or something. Um, no, it I was forget, a but cunning, I, cunning ploy. I activated my spearman, cunning ployed. You had one wound left on Stannis, and because I had the sword, I got the place of vulnerable, 
and because you were already oh, vulnerable, yeah. it dealt you one wound for me retreating with uh, Oberyn, which was probably yeah. the highlight of of my day. <laughs> yeah. So I I, I uh, totally forgot that uh, you know Martells have all those shenanigans of dealing one wounds here and there, and um, that although I think might have still been the right play to charge my one in. I don't know, but um, <clears throat> yeah, with with Stannis uh, gone so early, I, I really did think that I was going to basically lose the game, and, and what you were saying, I think this game mode did did favor you just because of tactical reposition. Um, you could literally just walk right up, take the objectives, and scoop back, and my guys moving at a four would have a hard time catching up to you, so Right then and there, after you you blew up Stannis um, and you took control of the two condition tokens or two of the objective tokens, I was um, you know it was looking really grim for me, and so I um, yeah I was thinking you know I'm probably going to lose this, and um, you were real rolling really bad with uh, your skirmishers because <laughs> I don't think you passed a single panic test. Uh, even though I had panic tokens on you to make sure that you would fail, you were taking five wounds every time I Melisandre bombed one of your skirmishers off to the side trying to grab... I think you were trying to grab the third objective with them. Um, and so that really helped out that I was able to finish two units off, um, I think, in the second round. Uh, I was able to kill your bastard girls with my chance and then also kill your skirmisher off to the side with Melisandre. And that really helped me get back into the game because obviously I scored two points to kind of stay in pace with your uh, two points that you'll be scoring with the objectives. And then uh, knowing that I needed to catch up my my other warning with Davos in it, I just positioned positioned them in a way that they would be able to march onto that third objective away from the battle uh, to try and keep up with your points. Yeah, I think you filled my one skirmisher uh, and three mel bombs. It was the first two mel bombs were five and then five, and I'm sitting there, you know, these guys haven't done anything yet, and there are two wounds. <laughs> and my list my list has zero healing outside of just taking the wealth zone. So I'm like, all right, well, these guys are basically dead. But I saw you you were positioning your wardens to finally go after um, the objective that we both kind of ignored off to my right, your left. Um, but that's when I maneuvered them backwards and pivoted them just outside of the corpse pile. Uh, to But then my march of 12 would take the objective um, potentially before your wardens would because your wardens are so slow. But then you melt bombed them, and I'm just like, ah. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. And, and um, <clears throat> that that brings up a thing about, about why I, I built my list the way that I did. Um, normally, when I run Melisandre, I try and run her with Jockin, just so I could get both those things off. I, I typically don't run Melisandre, because it's a negative play experience. Um, and the person that I practice Melisandre mom against literally passes all the panic tests anyways, even with the panic <laughs> token. So it's a negative play experience for either player, but just the fact that my Renly lists didn't have any 
firepower, um, and I needed a list that would be able to take care of Greek Oak um, and all their units. I like I was forced to run those under essentially. Um, and um, the thing about uh, my list with running just one Melisandre is that I absolutely have to have a pack token on your unit that I'm targeting, or otherwise I'm not going to Melisandre bomb them because it's just too much resource taken away from me to give up two wounds and potentially three more if I fail that panic test, which I've done multiple times, taking five wounds to my own unit, that I just, unless I have a panic token on the unit that I want to do it, Melisandre bomb to, I'm not going to take the chance. So um, just, again, going off of that, I, I was able to, to kill two units in that one round, and then I set my sight to your champs, which, uh, not your champs, your played men in the center. They were controlling the temperature objective, and um, um, this is where that the game mode kind of benefited me because now you can run away with the token. And uh, the fact that I was, I think my panic test was at a four or something like that. Um, it, was very, it wasn't very likely that if I took the objective, I was going to lose it from failing the panic test. So I charged into your played men in the center, and uh, your rolls were not the greatest, and so I was able to kill the played men in, I think, like two hits, I think, um, something like that. And I had, I think, ours is the period for both of those attacks. I don't remember exactly, but I was able to finish those playmen off fairly quickly. Um, and that by that point, um, I think I was still down on points. Well, I was still down on points for sure. And you only had your spearmen and your skirmishers left. And so with that, you charged your... You eventually were able to get your skirmishers who also had objectives. They were able to finally scoot over and charge my chance in the side. And um, I think you took the objectives momentarily, but I was able to take it back, if I remember correctly, because you had three ranks to my two. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, from there, uh, eventually we got to round four, and they were calling time, but not start a new round. And... Uh, at this point, I, I was thinking I was going to lose the game because I think I was down four to your six. And um, I kept looking over there, and I uh, – was it four to six? I think it was four to six, five to six. I think it was five to six. It was five to six, and – uh, I kept looking over at my points, and um, I I was thinking if I was able to hold on to the objective, uh, both objectives, I would be able to score seven, and you would be able to, if you had control of the objective still, you would score seven, and then we would go to a tiebreaker, just like my fourth round with Roger. And, um, and I know, I think you thought that I had four points, and so you were playing a certain way, and I was playing a certain way. And um, essentially, I was able to hold on to my objective by retreating uh, away from your units. And 
scoring those last two objective points that I needed to tie up the score at seven. And then because I had more points on the board, I was able to win the final round with uh, that tiebreaker. Yeah. So, um, uh, kind of like you were saying, uh, the whole time that last round was going on, I was looking at uh, the points and I had, I had only seen, um, what was it, uh, four uh, to my, I think, or was it uh, no, five to six, I think? I don't know, I can't remember, but uh, I had, I had kept staring at it, and, um, you know, so I thought, okay, basically, almost no matter what, I win by one, like the whole round, uh, and it wasn't until after we had scored points, and then, like, we tallied it up that somehow I had missed one somewhere, uh, and then realized that it was a tie, and then you won by points on the board. I was, I was so, like, distraught, I was so, like, mad, because, you know, you know, you come so close to, to take first uh, yeah. to kind of get it all over a silly mistake like that. You know what I mean? Um, and yep. you know, I was, uh, you know, I tried pleading my case, even though I knew it was to the TO, but you know, I knew it was probably all for nothing. Uh, but you know, I have to at least give it my shot. You know, see what if if it's repairable, even though I kind of deep down knew that it really wasn't. Um, and, uh, you know, later thinking about it, you know, on the drive home, uh, you know, I wanted to mention on here to you that I hope at no point you felt like I insinuated that you cheated. Um, uh, cause at no point did I ever feel that at no point was it, did it ever cross my mind that you cheated in any way. It was just, I feel like one of the one of the tokens at my angle was just barely over another token, and so my mind told me uh, there was a certain amount of points, uh, and then maybe at that point, you know, you look at something so so many times so often, and now like every time you look at it, it's just reinforced with your pr- uh, previous uh, thought or notion. Um, so yeah, I completely played my tactics completely wrong. Um, I just kind of danced around a bit the last round, thinking, okay, all I have to do is keep one objective, and I win, uh, even if you grab two. Um, And, yeah, so really close game. Um, So it ended 7-7. I believe what you ended with, uh, 8-9 plus 6, so 15 points. Or no, did your Stagnites or Champions have uh, an attachment? Yeah, the Champs had a glory. And, and just to go back to your point, okay. I, I, I um, no, you, you were very clear that, you know, you you had, uh, that was a misplay on yours, and you weren't insinuating that I was cheating. So, and you made it clear that you came and you were talking to me about it. So, no, I... I uh, I totally understand the frustration um, to become that close and and lose on a technicality like that. Um, it would have really bothered me as well. So, no. Well, good. and we we talked we talked about the last round and what may have could have been had I played different. Um, 
And I could have totally still lost. Like, I I have no delusional notion in my head that I think I automatically win had I known that information at the start of the round or, you know, by the end of last round. Um, but, you know, it's still that, that what if. You know, you, you think about the what if I had known or what if, uh, you know, Anyone could ask those questions, like, what if I had played this differently uh, in any scenario? Um, so, But I'm still happy with my performance. Uh, like I said, uh, mentioned earlier, four crushings with one narrow loss that came down to points on board, uh, still taking second place at the event. So I'm super happy. Um, I was very, very happy with the performance of Oberyn and Bastard Scrolls and only running two NCUs. Uh, for um, four of my games. Uh, yeah, and I, I want to say something about that. Um, I, yeah. I, uh, I know a lot of people, you know, say, they say that Harmon is pretty much the only Martell commander that uh, can be played, you know, entirely. I actually think Oberyn and Obara, surprisingly as well, um, are all both actually really good uh, Martell commanders as well. And, and uh, yeah, I... I uh, I honestly think uh, Oberyn is a, uh, uh, what do you call it? He's a sleeper, sleeper commander, essentially. Oh, yeah. Um, I think he's actually Especially really, Especially in Bastard Scrolls. Yeah, like, um, you know, because putting him in, like, uh, dervishes or just other things, like, Oberyn's going to be good probably no matter where you put him because of that Manticore Venom, but mm -hmm. the slower the unit you put him in, the less likely you're going to have the option of where that Manticore Venom goes. But when you got something like Bastard Girls that can, you know, have a move of six and can shoot, shift two, and then charge, I mean, good luck. Um, like in our game, like I mentioned earlier, you know, always have two targets. Had I not been able to get your Stannis and Lightbringers, I was more than happy going for your Champions of the Stag. Uh, uh, initially, that uh, was kind of my first option, but then the more we played out, you know, your round one with you doing his uh, mark target and uh, was it adaptive methods? What's his other one called? His uh, other order? planning. Planning. Um, once I realized like all the manipulations with the tokens, uh, that's when I was like, you know what? I got to go after the softer target that's hanging in the back. Force your units to kind of come at me with having no support. Um, and maybe that was the wrong decision, but uh, I'm confident enough that uh, I made, you know, the best best play I could in the moment. Um, but, yeah, Oberyn, I agree, is definitely... Um, uh, some people kind of overlook him as just okay. Uh, though, I don't know if you would agree to it. Uh, I'd have to say my card draw was atrocious in that game. So bad, in fact, that you missed with Hatch Face twice. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, yeah, and that, that goes again to my my reasoning for that Patch Face. Even if you miss on the cards, he's still really good because, like you said, you're, you didn't really draw any of the cards you needed, and I knew you didn't draw any of the cards you needed because I, every time I called the card with Patch Face, you didn't throw it away, so... It, it gave me yeah. the confidence to do what I wanted to do or needed to do. So, again, if anyone's, you know, on the edge of, like, if 
they should have asked Tracer not to stand as this. I think he's one of those interviews that is absolutely auto-include just with the amount of knowledge he gives you in a game. He is a very, very powerful interview. Yep. I didn't draw... Uh, I eventually, but never got to play it. I drew... I didn't draw any of my intercept orders uh, until the last round. Didn't draw either of my unbowed and bent on brokens. Uh, didn't draw a rising temperature until last round, in which you finally did call that and knocked it out of my hand. Um, like, I drew... <laughs> I think the only real useful thing I drew all game was that one cunning ploy, and I think I drew both dune tactics, and that was it. And even one of the two Dune tactics didn't really do much of anything because you still, like, you hit with, like, all five dice, and I failed all five, and I failed my panic. So it was like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, my, my card draw was a little, it was booty in that game. Um, but I didn't even bother trying to stop you from getting the letters. I don't think too much just because I knew you had Crescent. You are going to get the cards you wanted mm-hmm. anyways. So I, instead of kind of losing tempo by trying to stop a three NCU list with two NCUs by taking the letters. Um, I was, you know, I had to just kind of accept the fact that you were going to be taking them. But overall, I uh, had a lot of fun. Um, you know, I even with that uh, big mess up at the end with the victory point thing, uh, you know, it's hard for me to ever, like, look at a game so close and be mad, like, straight up just, like, mad at my performance. Um, so, but also congrats to you, uh, you know, going five zero. it's always, you know, a, an accomplishment no matter really who you are, uh, especially at a, a larger event, especially a really large event when you, you know, for us in the States. Yep. But, um, with that said, uh, was there any, any lists, any things that you saw that were kind of stood out to you that you thought were really cool? Um, list that maybe performed well that you kind of want to give a shout out to um, or just seemed interesting? Um, yeah, so uh, Nathan, my first opponent with Night's Watch, he had a six activation list that had Relentless in there. And that list I was actually a little scared of because uh, Swan Brothers with Relentless can definitely hurt. Uh, so I want to give a shout out to that. <laughs> and I think maybe he should have played that list. Um, but I do understand it. It was Game of Thrones. So with a 60 activation list, I probably could have just avoided that. Um, so there's that. And, and of course, uh, I, I have to give you props again for, for running Oberyn just because, you know, like I said, he's, I think he's a sleeper commander. I think he's really good. And um, just, um, you know, uh, ignoring all the other talks about Harmon being the best, you you ran Holborn and you were able to do really well with him. And then, um, of course, I didn't get to play Matt, but uh, Matt Beatty, but I, um, <clears throat> yeah, his, excuse, oh, sorry. Uh, so Matt's list was very, um, very interesting with, with the Courtney and the Stagnites and the Issue Command. Um, I was, I didn't even think about that, that, you could pop issue command to remove resilience because that was kind of the weakness of the stagnites is that um, they block on fours. And I, the reason why I play Brackens is because I roll really shitty on defense saves. Like 
through my three plus armor saves, I cannot roll threes to save my lives. So my if if you play if anybody plays me, just know that my wardens are like the like weakness to my they might blow up five up armor. <laughs> yeah, they, they they will blow up in either one or two hits. So just go for my wardens. Um and so uh anytime I play tests with my stag knights, um they blow up instantly after resilience comes off because they're four up save. I can't roll to save any of those and um, my panic saves are actually really bad as well. Um, so a five up is not going to save me. And so um, I think that was a really creative way to to resolve that that weakness of the stagnite unit, you know, by just resetting resilience when you needed it to be able to tank that extra hit um, and then blow something up um, because that's their biggest issue. They can hit really hard one time, but... If you get them into a sticky situation, they're going to blow themselves up super fast as well. Even though they have, like, a 777 attack profile, they're just going to go to waste. So, um, yeah, yeah that, that that was my uh, those interesting lists. <clears throat> um, my shout-out, not that, like, his list was super, like, out there, but just because it's neutrals, I have to shout-out uh, Justin Lewis. Uh, played neutrals. Um, I don't know if it was ever mentioned or corrected, but just because it's you know it's Justin, he's a, a very good friend. I have to throw it out there. Um, Justin actually did take eighth place. I think the standings showed him at ninth, but there was a small mess mess up where I think ninth was awarded one extra point uh, for a loss. Because anyone that knows how the win loss uh, tie is broken down is that. Uh, a win is three points, a tie is two points, a loss is one point. Um, but if you uh, uh, quit or uh, uh, succeed, uh, concede, concede, uh, yeah. concede, if you concede, you actually get zero points. Like, you, you actually get worse yeah. than if you just played through and lost. And he conceded and wasn't given zero points by accident. It was small oversight um, uh, to uh, Brett's defense, it was a um, uh, a system he was very unfamiliar with, uh, and it just kind of slipped through. But with that one point less, uh, Justin does take the eighth spot. Um, and nice. I mention that only only because uh, I mention that not only because he's a uh, good friend, he's a co-host here on Small Council, but also it's neutrals uh, at a very large event. He did amazing that whole tournament, and yeah. um, if I'm not mistaken. He had his. He went four, uh, or he went three and two, uh, with one loss being a narrow and one loss being a standard. He was never crushed, and his uh, he had tabled his three wins. He had tabled two people, and his third opponent he almost tabled them. Uh, so it's you know people who kind of give. Uh, kind of crap on neutrals, you know, they definitely have the tools, especially if you've been playing them as long as Justin. I know we just did the episode where he talked about the, um, talking about the Bolton faction. We we speculated more than anything because at the time we didn't see all the awesome details yet. But Justin has played neutrals, particularly Boltons, with maybe a unit here or there of um, like skirmishers or whatnot. Uh, since the game came out. Uh, there's not many people that have been 
you know, I'm willing to bet the the number is probably uh, very, very small of people who started with neutrals and never moved on to another faction have played neutrals for the entirety of the game, and that being their sole faction. Uh, that almost, you know, in my uh, from my personal experience, that's unheard of. I've never heard of anyone in that scenario. If you are one of those people, definitely speak up. I think you uh, deserve some credit as well. Um, but yeah, I had to throw that out there, that shout out to Justin, because he did amazing. Um, and it was a little disappointing at first um, when they're announcing the winners, and then he got ninth place. Or I know he, he felt a little disappointed, but then when he found out later that he's eighth place, he was pretty ecstatic, uh, and I don't blame him. I would be too. I I mentioned to him in the car ride back that because uh, Matt, uh, me, Justin, and Brett all drove down there, um, Matt took fourth place uh, with his Baratheons, uh, and then I took second. And then, you know, I told Justin his his placing eighth with neutrals is just as impressive as me placing second with Martels, if not more so impressive. Um, oh, yeah. Because, you, know, you know, not a lot of people can take neutrals and be super successful with them. So um, just wanted to shout that out. Uh, but uh, with that said, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to add about the event or anything uh, that uh, maybe we missed? Yeah, uh, I just want to shout out, just give a last shout out, out to my opponents that, that I played that day, uh, Nathan Rowley, uh, sorry if I pronounced your last name wrong, Nathan Rowley, uh, Adam Reeves, Mark Rupp, Roger Cato. It was all really good games. Um, I really enjoyed my time uh, playing at that tournament. Um, <clears throat> I want to thank Simon and, uh, you know, Michael Chanel for coming out and Adam uh, Lavelle, uh, the VP of Organized Play. And then also Jim Ludwig uh, with Dark Stories Miniatures. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to you guys as well at Small Council because um, when I started the game, I, you know, was looking for or trying to consume as much content as I could with strategies and guys and all that stuff. And so I listened to you guys' podcasts. Um, and so I think you guys are doing a community, community a great service with just all the content you guys throw out. And, just wanted to give you guys a shout out as well because, um, you know, uh, I it definitely played a role in, in you know where I am uh, as a player today. So, yeah, that's awesome to hear. I appreciate that. Yeah, I you know that's kind of kind of the goal, like to kind of provide that content, and it's always nice to hear that it's you know it's doing what we're setting uh, setting setting out for it to do. Uh, is just not only just give someone something to just kind of listen to in the background while maybe painting, but also to hopefully uh, help them be better at the game, uh, you know, or maybe that's the wrong way to put it, but, you know, like kind of evolve their game and help them, you know, realize some of the nuances and some of the cool things that they can do and just uh, keep people in the know. Uh, so... Uh, as far as uh, I'll, I'll definitely uh, second those shout-outs, um, Michael, Jim, and uh, Adam with Simon uh, and Dark Sword uh, Miniatures. Uh, definitely awesome to see them there. I hadn't seen Adam in years since uh, he came to one of the indie uh, events. Um, it's always a pleasure to see Michael. I know a lot of people give him a lot of crap. 
but uh, uh, I, I definitely enjoy his company. Uh, and then Jim, I don't think I had ever met prior. Uh, I'm really bad with names and sometimes bad with faces, but I'm pretty sure it was the first time we had met. Um, he's an awesome guy. Uh, definitely very accommodating, uh, very generous, um, and you know, just again to kind of just shout out Simon in general. The pri or the entry support was amazing. I would say the only criticism I have, and uh, hopefully it comes across as constructive, is uh, just in the document, just say tend or, uh, rounds based on attendance. And then I would just personally, I would say entry uh, prizes or like entry uh, swag be given out at the end of the tournament. I know maybe that might be an unpopular opinion, but when your uh, entry swag is that amazing, you want to ensure that people who are getting that swag are people that are actually playing. Maybe even if it's given out after the first day. So, like, if you don't want to, let's say, you just can't attend a two-day event, that's completely reasonable, too. But I think um, to prevent, especially if there's limited spots, the last thing you want is to have it all... Um, you know, all the tickets and because there's, you know, you never know. There's some people that might have been like, oh, I want to go, but they're out of tickets. So I guess I'm just going to not go. Whereas had they yeah. known tickets would be available, they're like, yeah, totally. All right. You know, and then they ask their friends and their friends are like, yeah, let's do it. Let's make a trip out of it. So that's the only small uh, constructive criticism I have. Otherwise, I think the event went amazing. Uh, anyone who's on the fence about going to the nationals which will be held at the same place i highly recommend it the venue or the i don't know if it's a game store but the game store venue place that they're having it at is amazing very spacious uh lots of product to buy uh i mean they sell food and beer and uh a bunch of stuff you know if you're over 21 um so definitely keep that in mind lots of hotel options nearby uh, and I think it'll be a great experience. And as long as, like, something, you know, maybe I'm completely wrong, but like I said, I'm, uh, from what I was told and heard uh, in passing is that Nationals is still open to the public. You just, uh, they're giving out spots to guarantee that those that earned them will automatically be in. That, and I think the spots are paid for. Regardless, I mean, I wouldn't care if I had to pay. I think it's still not that much. Um, but you know, keep that, uh, you know, in mind. I believe it's in September at some point. Um, so uh, maybe with a little research, if they've already posted it, you can find out the dates and then save the date. That way, uh, way you can attend. All right. So I think that's about, uh, about wraps it up. Um, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to mention before we... Uh, Close it out. No, I think we touched up on all the points, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. I appreciate you coming on. You know, it's it's always nice to kind of get a recap of an event. Not only that, go over you know the winning lists. Uh, and it's definitely great to have uh, you know the top performing lists all on the same show. Um, that way, you can kind of because sometimes you never know. Like, let's say for example someone is a Martell player, but they're not a Baratheon player, or vice versa. It's always kind of nice when you have different perspectives of different um, factions. So, uh, But with that said, again, uh, 
shout out to local game stores, uh, shout out to um, people that TO and run events, uh, shout out to Simon, um, Jim, Michael, Adam, Brett, all you guys are awesome. Uh, and then also shout out to you guys in your local scene because uh, you're you're local to that area, right? Yeah, and, and um, I, <clears throat> you just mentioned Brett, and I, I feel so bad. I, I I do want to give a shout out to Brett, and I think um, as you were saying earlier, deals um, they get a lot of flack. They do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that us players take for granted, and uh, especially with that tough decision that Brett had to make. Um, I want to give a shout out to Brett, and I really do think uh, I told I, I told Brett that hey, I think um, if you had played in this tournament, there was a possibility you probably take first because Brett is a very very strong player, um, and uh, yeah, just just a shout out to Brett that uh, thanks for hosting this, um, and uh, yeah, I, I um, really appreciate what Brett did. Yeah, I agree. Um, and a, a little uh, uh, extra here. I played Brett the day before, uh, and I won by one victory point. Granted, they uh, the shop was closing, and we had to end after round two, but, you know, a win's a win, in my opinion. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, But anyways, with that said, thank you all for listening in. I appreciate all of you. Uh, we're definitely going to try another episode very soon to talk about all the new stuff uh with like all the Bolton reveals and just the other uh, non-Bolton faction uh, reveals, talk about because uh, I was me and uh, Brett and ever you know everyone that we rode with, uh, we're all sitting there uh, for the all the leaks and announcements. I took video, pictures, all the stuff, um, and I know there's a lot of uh, confusion on like what's a mini faction and this and that and. So we'll get into that stuff, um, a small tidbit uh, for those that might not see the next episode. The mini faction, based on what they said, is basically a faction, just has less releases. Um, so you just won't see as many releases for that faction. It's not that the faction will only have an initial release and never see anything ever again. Um, so that's kind of what was explained in person is that it just has less total uh, releases. So, I don't know. I'm throwing this out that this isn't something they said, but a mini faction could see only, like, one box a year to their faction, maybe. Oh, you know, for it, it's just smaller, you know, and their intent is for it to be smaller. Uh, but I think that opens up uh, a lot of potential, um, you know, because we could see Umber. We could see um, uh, other stuff. Uh, let me pull a, another snidbit, uh, a tidbit that uh, I wrote down in my notes. See, where is it? Uh, he, uh, Michael, makes a very small um, uh, nod to, uh, what are they called? Where are they? Kind Masters. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that is. I am only through the third book, um, and I'm never heard that before if I'm not mistaken so that must be in like book four or five but kind masters was definitely thrown out there and um he did not say for sure but he threw out those words and he did not say if that was a mini faction or just neutral units or what the heck they would be but he said those words that kind masters so 
take that as you will and run with it. Um, we'll do another episode talking about all that. There's a lot to talk about, so there's a good chance we'll break it into Bolton faction related and non and just everything other related, um, and we'll just probably to, do two episodes. Hopefully, I can get Justin on again to talk about the Bolton stuff. But with that, uh, I'll stop rambling. Thank you again for listening in. We appreciate all of you uh, for listening and you know being uh, and being uh, listeners to the show for I think it's going on like four years now or like three and a half somewhere around there. I lose track of time. But with that said. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. You're still here.